Good morning to each one. Greet you again in the precious name of Jesus, our risen Lord, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. I appreciated the service so far. I have a, uh, in uh, thinking about the children's lesson just a moment, I have a um, piece of paper at home on my desk. Uh, I have several pieces of paper, but I, uh, I jot down thoughts that could someday be developed into a message, and I have uh, a paper there with a title and a number of scripture references under it, an undeveloped message, I guess it would be, and the title is The the Struggle of Unanswered Prayer. I thought about that when the children's lesson was given, and... uh, you know, it's a, it's a blessing and it's thrilling when God answers prayer just the way we hoped. And there are times when God doesn't answer prayer just the way we hoped. And uh, there's a place of quiet rest for us as a believer in that situation as well. And we, uh, we uh, want to... Find that place. Today, the message that I'm going to share, I'll give the title now, but it might not make a lot of sense quite yet. I have it titled, The Better or the Familiar, and that's going to need to be defined a bit as we go, or... Maybe I have actually two titles here. I might just uh, cling to this one a little more. A faith journey or a familiar journey. Maybe we would use that one as the title. A faith journey or a familiar journey. So we're going to uh, give some definition to that as we go. But before we go into the message, I want to couch the message in another scripture, in another concept because I am concerned that I could be misunderstood. And so I want to couch it so that hopefully, as we look into the Word of God, we can look at the Scripture at face value and not be misunderstood, hopefully. I'd like to turn to Titus chapter 2 and just take a very quick look at the, at, at the overview of this chapter. <clears throat> It begins in verse 1, says this, Titus, or Paul, in giving Titus instruction as a young, young uh, pastor, young elder in the church. He says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. And then he goes on down through and he, he touches on many, many different subjects. He addresses the older men 
and their general behavior. He addresses the older women. He addresses the younger women. Uh, in their place, he addresses the young men. Uh, in their uh, places of conduct as a professed believer, as a Christian. In verse 9, he exhorts the servants, uh, being the workers, being uh, the employees. We would use that term more in our day, somewhat similar. Uh, goes on in verse, uh, maybe I'll just read from verse 11 to the end of the chapter. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously God and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. <clears throat> and what I'd like to uh, draw from this scripture, uh, I guess I highlighted there verse 1, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. And then again in verse 11, that the grace of God bringing salvation uh, hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness, worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. And what I'd like to say there is that, um, and there's many scriptures we could turn to, but the um, the the scripture, uh, this scripture particularly, it it highlights the fact that there is acceptable conduct for the Christian. In other words, there is, uh, I'm going to use the word standard. Uh, I don't know if you know what the word standard means. We, we, uh, the word standard, uh, I'm going to use it in a context that is a little different than a church setting. But we have in our nation, uh, we have standards of measurement. In other words, if we measure lumber, we're measuring it with a, a foot rule that has inch marks, it has even broken down in further marks, and it has, it has foot marks, and many things like that. Uh, we we measure liquids, we have uh, containers that hold so many ounces, we have... Uh, but who determines what exactly is an ounce? Who determines what exactly is an inch? Uh, do you determine that? You know, if you're, you're manufacturing a product, and uh, it's a liquid product, and you put on that container so many ounces, do you determine what uh, that measure is? Or is there an accepted measure? In other words, uh, uh, we know that there is. There is an accepted measure that is a standard in our nation, um, in, in various things like that. And if there arises a discrepancy, there is actually... I've not seen it. I don't think I've been there. But there's a place in Washington, near Washington, where they actually have on hand these standards of measure. And if there arises a discrepancy, they have a, 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 a something that defines an exact inch. They have something that de, defines an exact ounce. And uh, it is a common, it is the standard. It is the accepted way of doing business, you know, with your... your uh, uh, liquid 
or you're uh, measuring lumber or whatever you're doing. There, there, are, uh, there are standards in place and it is accepted and you don't just decide what you want or how you want to do it. And in fact, if you deviate from it, you're a, you're a breaker of the law and you can be in trouble. Um, so, uh, looking at the word standard in that way, the, the, uh, uh, you know, it's not up to us to decide what is acceptable to God. God has already determined that. He has already set the standard for us. And our goal and our job is to study it and understand it and live it. Uh, the standard has been already uh, set for us. And, and may I say that the Christian life or God and the scripture does convey a standard. It conveys an expectation. If you confess the name of Jesus, you claim to be a Christian, there is an expectation that the gospel, the word of God, God himself is going to expect from you. Uh, not that he, uh, you know, we understand the scripture well enough to know that it's not like he expects uh, the same thing from from the person who has just came to Christ yesterday from uh, the other kingdom, the kingdom of this uh, darkness, uh, as he does from the person who's been in Christ for 50 years or 30 years or 20 years. But there is the, the gospel communicates a standard and expectation of, of life and conduct and practice in many, many areas. And so we want to recognize that we want to, um, uh, yeah, be aware of that as we now go into the rest of the message or the, yeah, the, the main part of the, the thrust of the message. <clears throat> I'd like to now go to Numbers uh, chapter 14, uh, same scripture actually that we were at last Sunday for a bit. Numbers chapter 14, verses 1 to 4. So a faith journey or a familiar journey, as we look at numbers here, it may start. you may start to understand where the title is coming from and perhaps where it's going a little. Numbers 14, in verse 1, And all this congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey, were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. <clears throat> so here we have the children of Israel. Uh, they, are, they are standing on the threshold of the next chapter. They are standing on the threshold of the promised land. They have sent in the spies to explore it, and uh, the spies have come back, ten of them with an, with an evil report, and two of them with a faith-filled report, and of course, the ten, uh, somehow or another, they carried, their voice carried, and, uh, and they influenced the entire nation of Israel to doubt God, to begin to uh, uh, question 
what's going on and where, you know, where, question this whole thing. And uh, began to uh, wish to go back to Egypt where they'd come from. So, we know, we know that they were on a journey of faith, right? They, uh, they were told that they were going to a promised land and, and here they had actually, uh, they had actually gotten to see a little bit of the fruit of the land. Um, but it was a faith journey, you know, it, it had been a faith journey up to this point. They, they at times questioned God and, 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 and lacked in faith a bit, but it was a faith journey. Uh, that they were on. And I guess I could raise the question for us, are we on a faith journey? Is our journey a journey of faith? Do we see what is ahead? Do we, um, you know, we have the scriptures, we have many instructions of, of, of from God and how to live our Christian lives and how to walk and how to please God and all those kind of things. And yet, in all reality, um, there's a lot of things that we don't know about life and about what God will uh, where God will take us in life, what God will allow us to experience in life. Uh, we don't know those things. It's a faith journey. Uh, we are on a faith journey, just as, as they were on a faith journey. Now, the question, next question could be that did they, did they continue on a faith journey? We know that the end of the story, or yeah, we have the full picture here. They, uh, even though Caleb and Joshua uh, went to great lengths, they rent their clothes and, and made themselves heard and said, boy, let's go. You know, if the Lord is delighting us, he will bring us into the land. He'll give it to us. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. Rebel not. That were their, their words. I can just imagine them lifting up their voice with urgency and, and calling to the people. But they, uh, they actually did the, yeah, the congregation bade stone them with stones, you know. And so the, the faith journey they were on, uh, they, they, uh, they, they, they failed. They failed. They shrank back, uh, in, uh, in the journey. And they failed to continue. In the faith, in, in faith, faith in God. And of course, we could ask ourselves the question, are we continuing on a faith journey? And that goes, that goes into dozens of places in our lives. You know, we could think of it uh, in our lives personally, where we have been in our journey, uh, where God has taken us, where God has taken you. Your story is different than my story. Your experiences are different than mine. Uh, we can think of it on... Uh, just every aspect of life, really. Um, uh, are we on a faith journey? Are we still trusting God like we one day did? Are we still going forward in faith, believing God, and uh, trusting God as we once did? <clears throat> this was this was a test of their faith. Uh, they had other tests up to this point, um, and I think. I think we would dare to say that God had shown himself so strong. You know, they had come through the, through the Red Sea. They had, the, the Egyptians were drowned behind them. 
God had shown himself strong that uh, they, they, they should, uh, should have been able to trust him for this one. But it was a test. It was a test of their faith and they, they failed that test. And I guess then the question that I raise for us is, do we recognize the tests of faith when they come in our lives? Do we? Uh, they do come. And uh, they come in uh, all sorts of shapes and forms. We, uh, do we recognize them? Do we recognize the, the, some of the difficult experiences that uh, come in our journey? Do we recognize them as tests of faith? As to whether we will continue to believe and trust God. <clears throat> even when we don't understand and even when it seems like we're up against impossible situations. Do we recognize the tests of faith? <clears throat> is the New Testament believer, is he beset with many tests of faith as they were or is it different now? It's another question to consider. You know, is it different now in the New Covenant, in the New Testament? Or is God still the same God? Is he still leading his people on a journey of faith? Does he still bring them into situations that are uncomfortable and difficult at times? And, may I say, impossible to us as human beings, but altogether possible to him. Does he still do that today? I think he does. I, I, I believe you. I, I suppose you probably believe that too. Um, or is it the kind of thing where after we're born again and we receive the Holy Spirit and we're, we're God's child, we just kind of float along to glory, you know. Uh, live happily ever after. Or... Like, like, uh, like the children of Israel here, uh, they said, were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And that's where our title comes in again a bit. Are we ever tempted to go back to the familiar? You know, they, 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 uh, uh that was what they were facing here. They were facing, uh, uncertainty. Uh, they were facing New territory. They were facing giants that they hadn't faced before. And to them, in the, in the natural, it looked overwhelming. It looked too big. It looked impossible. And they said, let us go back to Egypt. Let us go back where it's familiar. Let us go back where it feels comfortable. Let us go back to the old things, the way it used to be. Let us go back. That was their... Uh, that was their uh, verdict. That was their conclusion. It's better to go back. This looks pretty difficult. <clears throat> Are we ever find, do we ever find ourselves there where we want to go back? God has led us on a journey. God is leading us on a journey. And God allows difficulties. Maybe even impossible situations. And we're tempted to, in the face of that, to not uh, to, to doubt God, to begin to mistrust, to begin to, and just let's go back, let's go back, back where it was comfortable. <clears throat> let's uh, let's now go to the book of Galatians, and we want to look at uh, this uh, same concept working itself out in the early church believers there at Galatia. Uh, 
uh, a faith journey or a familiar journey. Go back to that which is familiar. And God has called us to a faith journey. We'll just take a, a, a quick overview of some of this, uh, this uh, some scriptures here in Galatians. We have chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Uh, Paul, writing to them, says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. So we know the context of the book. Uh, Paul had to bring correction because these these believers were actually standing on exactly the same kind of a test of faith. Uh, there was new and uncertainty things ahead of them, and they had actually, we'll learn later, they had actually, uh, in a sense, they had gone in and, and were beginning to possess the land, but then they were t- starting to turn back. Uh, it was uh, getting uncomfortable, perhaps, and they wanted to get back to the familiar. <clears throat> Let's go to uh, chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. He says, oh, foolish. Well, uh, let me just make a comment about from the verses that we read there, Paul then goes into a discourse of of uh, uh, proving his authentic authenticness or, or proving his uh, his uh, that he is uh, qualified. He has been called of the Lord to teach and and so forth. And then in verse uh, that they uh, that they should give give him a, give him an ear. Basically, is is uh, is what he's. That he is an apostle and a true apostle. He says, uh, O foolish Galatians chapter 3 verse 1. Who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish having begun in the spirit are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain? If it be yet in vain, he therefore that ministereth to you the spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And so he is reasoning with them uh, concerning uh, their uh, going back to the law. Uh, Let's see, chapter 4, verse 9 to 11. says, but now after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Ye observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. <clears throat> so we hear Paul's heart coming through and we get a glimpse of where they're at. And, where, and how they have uh, 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 turned back. They are turning back. In verse 17, um, I'm going to include verse 16. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Uh, so he is challenging them. Are you going to count me an enemy because I'm telling you the truth? He says, they zealously affect you, but not well. So someone was influencing them. That was obvious. They zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that ye might affect them. 
it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing, and, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, in whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. Uh, he's, uh, he's uh, seeing a, there's a problem. There's a problem. <clears throat> Chapter 5, verse 79. He says, Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that called you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So we see, again, we see the influence. They were being influenced. They were, they were listening to it. Uh, and uh, then let's uh, take a look yet at chapter 6, verse 12 to 14. He says, As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. And so there we have, we have gotten a quick overview of what was happening. If I understand it correctly, the Galatian believers, they were, they were solidly converted to the Christian faith. They were, uh, uh, solidly uh, uh, had come to a personal faith in Jesus Christ. Somewhere along the way, influence came in and started uh, influencing them uh, down the line of needing to uh, uh, keep the law. Uh, circumcision particularly is mentioned here, uh, that they needed to be circumcised. And of course, we see there at the end uh, that uh, this teaching was being uh, promoted for one of the purposes was so that there wouldn't be suffering. Uh, they could escape suffering. Uh, if they, uh, in a sense, they, what, they, what they were really trying to do is they were trying to couch the gospel in the law. They were trying to have both. They were trying to live by both. And Paul uh, had a problem with that and Frankly, the gospel has a problem with that. Uh, they couldn't live by both. And, uh, and we recognize the fact that they had faced persecution. It does say that here in uh, uh, verse 4 of chapter 3. Have ye suffered so many things in vain? They had faced suffering for their faith. They had, uh, and uh, here comes this, this gospel that says, you know, if you just, if you circumcise, you do the, some of the old law things yet, it'll, it'll, you know, you won't face the persecution. It'll be an easier road. Uh, yeah, let's go that way. And, uh, and basically what was happening, uh, there, there was again, they were on a faith journey with God. They had accepted the, the new faith, the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, they had accepted it, but now they were turning back again to the, uh, the familiar. They were going from a faith journey back to a familiar journey, back to where it felt comfortable, back where the persecution stopped, back where uh, 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 they were understood in their culture and their people, back where they were, they were accepted among their culture and their people, back where it was much more comfortable. Uh, and that's, that was the... Uh, 
That was the dilemma that they were facing there. In all reality, uh, they were they were trying to put uh, the new wine into old wineskins, which Jesus talked about that. And and uh, we want to look at that scripture just a bit. Uh, we find that scripture in Luke, and in fact, it's recorded in several of the Gospels. But uh, we'll look at it in in Luke's context. Luke chapter five. In verse uh, 36 is where this uh, particular uh, is stated as a parable here. And we'll read this uh, and then we'll go back and look at the context in which it was given. It says, And he spake also a parable unto them. No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent and the piece that was taken out of it, out of the new agreeeth not with the old. And no man putteth the new wine into old bottles, else the new wine burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. No man also having drunk old wine straightway desireth the new, for he saith, the old is better. Now note that comment, the old is better. We'll talk about that a bit as we go. All right, let's look at the context in which this uh, Jesus gave these words. <clears throat> we'll go back uh, just a bit here. Uh, we'll uh, begin in verse 27 of chapter 5. It says, And after these things he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. And there was a company of publicans and others that sat down with them. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And they say unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but die and eat and drink. And he said unto them, Can, the, can ye make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. And he spake also a parable unto them. And that's the parable that we just read. So this is the context in which Jesus gave this parable. The context was he was sitting in a house eating with publicans and sinners. And that didn't sit well with the Pharisees and the Jews and the and the uh it uh it just it wasn't it wasn't a comfortable uh it was out of their comfort zone. It was out of uh, it was out of their league, you might say. They had a problem with it. <clears throat> now Jesus, I believe, in his uh, in that experience there, he was demonstrating to us the new kingdom concept. He says, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Uh, the, uh, 
And, you know, if I may say it this way, the, the Lord Jesus actually uh, just simply leveled all the ground. The Jews were no longer the, the, the special people. He came to call everyone to repentance. And by sitting there and, and associating with those publicans and the Pharisees, he wasn't associating with them in their sin. He was associating with them in order to draw them into his kingdom. In order to, uh, 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 in fact, he, he walked by the tax collector's booth and there's Levi and he says, hey, come. You want to come and follow me? That's the same thing he did when he saw uh, 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 Peter and some of the others. Uh, come, come. Okay, here's a, a publican. The, the ones that, the, that the, the Jews look down on. They're the tax collectors. They're the ones that, that are compromisers between the Roman Romans and and ta- collect the tax and pass it on to them. You know, we all kind of have our attitudes about tax collectors, don't we? We probably shouldn't, but but come, you know. So here Jesus, he was uh, he was demonstrating his new kingdom concept, which is going to invite all to repentance. And I believe this scripture here is uh, is simply. Uh, demonstrating that in, in, in first of all in what he's doing and how he relates to it all and then the parable of the uh, of the uh, new piece of garment and the old and the uh, new wine uh, in, in old bottles and so forth and it's interesting we'll look at we'll try to keep this last verse in in our minds as we go but where he says that no man also having drunk the old wine straightway desireth the new for he saith the old is better we want to uh, we want to keep that in mind as we continue through the message and discover that that is actually pretty, pretty great temptation. <clears throat> That's what the Galatians were facing. Uh, they were tempted to believe that the that the old was better and reverting back. We discover that the two cannot be mixed. Uh, in this uh, in this scripture, we discover that the two cannot be mixed. We also discover that, as it says here, that the, the old is the familiar. It's that which, you know, it's, it's where we've been. It's that which is coming to us. It's that, which, uh, it's that which is accepted by the masses. The new is, is, uh, is persecuted. The new is, is considered uh, radical. It is, uh, it, is, uh, it is hated among the general populace and... You know, we, we, we know that is the way it was and in, still is in some countries where the faith is of Jesus Christ is hated, is despised, is, and that's, that's what the uh, Jewish context, uh, that's what they faced. Uh, the new, uh, the new was not accepted among the, the masses. The new was, uh, uh, different and the, the old just felt a lot more comfortable. A lot, uh, and that is that is our tendency as human beings. It's uh, a tendency to cling to the familiar, the tendency to want to go back to the familiar. Uh, we sometimes ask the question, and it comes that came up again this morning in the in the letter, uh, Mama Lay, and we ask the question, how and why? You know, we look on and and 
we just can't understand why a soul who experienced the blood of Christ and the, and the forgiveness of sins in their heart, why would they ever go back? Why would they ever go back? You know, the reality is, for that soul, this new life is altogether new and unfamiliar. The old life is totally familiar territory. And it is so easy for any one of us to, to revert back to the familiar territory. And we'll look at that more in scripture as we go. It is just, it is something to, to be aware of. Again, our, our title, a faith journey or a familiar journey. It is easy to go back to the familiar. <clears throat> I think we'll go to Hebrews and take just a, and the book of Hebrews is also written in the Jewish context. We'll, it's, maybe it gets to be a little bit repetitious in that it, it follows the same vein of thought that uh, Galatians did a bit. But we'll look at that a bit quickly and then we'll go to Ephesians and we'll discover something about the, the Gentile and uh, the same concept and what's familiar to them. <clears throat> so Hebrews... Uh, again, we'll take just a quick, just a, a quick overview a little bit. First of all, in, uh, of course, we realize that the writer was writing to Hebrew Christians, so the Jewish Christians, so that's the context. And, uh, the, the, uh, a good part of the book is written to, um, Convince them uh, that this new covenant, this Christ, this new plan, this new uh, uh, doctrine that is uh, being promoted in among uh, uh, the Jewish people in Israel and the world, this is in fact a much better one than the old one that they were uh, a part of, and that's that's uh, the the Hebrew writer uh, goes to great lengths to. Prove and demonstrate that, how that Christ and faith in Christ exceeds their, their old law by far. And just reading a few verses here in chapter 3. Uh, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as Moses was faithful in all his house. And so, he's giving credit to Moses for being faithful. And he's giving credit to Christ for being faithful. And he, go, and he goes on then to prove uh, and, and to expound that Christ is greater than Moses. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built the house, house hath more honor than the house. For every man is builded by, every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. Moses verily was faithful in all his house as his servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. And now he gives us an example of, of, of the children of Israel who we've already looked at. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years." Wherefore was I grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their hearts. They have not known my way. 
So I swear in my wrath that they shall not enter into my rest. And uh, that's that's the uh, the situation where they didn't understand. He said they don't know my ways. They don't understand this faith journey. They aren't, for whatever reason, aren't able weren't able to grasp. The journey of faith and trusting me and believing me and going on with me. They shrank back. They quit. They stopped. He said, and he gives us that as a warning. He says, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Talking to the Hebrew Christians. Take heed. Now, it has application for us, but that's not what we're talking about this morning. Take heed, brethren. And he's warning them that they are careful. Uh, that they don't fall back. Uh, that they don't fall into unbelief on this journey of faith with God, uh, that, they, that God had called them to, uh, as in, in, in this new covenant, in, in following Christ. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. And so there we have the, yeah, that same exhortation, that warning, the warning about uh, the possibility as a believer in Christ to have our hearts hardened, uh, the possibility to actually, uh, as we're on that journey of faith, to become doubtful and unbelieving in God and revert to a journey of familiarity. Uh, back to that which is familiar. The danger of it. <clears throat> Uh, jumping over to chapter 10, we're skipping a lot of his, uh, I, we would take a lot of time and you might fall asleep if we read all those chapters in between there. Uh, but uh, he says then in verse 10 of cha- uh, chapter 10, verse 1, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the commerce thereunto perfect. And so he's continuing. I only read that to show the continuing of the of his. Uh, I don't like the word argument quiet, but his his uh, persuasion that this Christ in this new covenant and the and the shed blood is all much more uh, surpasses the old. Uh, Let's uh, let's break in again in verse uh, 19 of uh, chapter 10. As he has uh, given some more of that discourse, he says, Then having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, and that that just sums it up right there. A new and living way, it, you know, it, and again, putting ourselves in a Jewish context just for a moment. They were used to the old. They had, this was their culture, this was their life, this is what they knew, this is what they were taught. And here comes the new and living way, the Lord Jesus and salvation by faith in him. And... Uh, and Paul is, or the writer of Hebrews is, is out to persuade him that this is, in fact, this is, this is the real, this is the true way. He says, uh, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And that is, that encapsulates the whole thing to, to, uh, in this journey with God, to be walking this journey in faith. 
each one of us, each one of us personally walking the journey that God has for us in faith. He goes on, let us, uh, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, uh, our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Powerful verse, let us consider one another and provoke to provoke unto love and good works, encouraging each other, exhorting each other, provoking each other along the journey. And the word provoke doesn't mean to agitate, but it take, you know, to, to uh, kind of spur each other on. <clears throat> uh, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching for if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no, remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Uh, and I do want to read this, uh, just uh, make a comment on it <clears throat> in the context that it's given here. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and has done despite to the spirit of grace. I think I'm going to uh, let me read just a bit further. And we'll come back and make some comments on that. For we know him that hath said vengeance belongs belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. But called to remembrance of former days in which, after ye were illuminated, and he's, he's talking about them personally now. Remember those former days, after you were illuminated, after you uh, received Christ, after the light of the gospel dawned in your heart, ye endured a great flight, fight of afflictions. Partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion on me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, he, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that who draw back under perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And so uh, this context, again, the Jewish people having received this new life, this new and living way, having become a part of it. And uh, and we recognize again that they, they they it came with persecutions. It's stated here very clearly. Uh, they they suffered persecutions in this new and living way. And we recognize the uh that uh, Paul, the writer, I keep saying Paul, the writer was concerned that they would turn back. And he's, and apparently there was reason for his concern. Uh, and, and he is uh, uh, warning them not to. Uh, he is, uh, uh, this scripture about uh, uh, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite to the Spirit of grace. Uh, that is, in a sense, that is the, 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 the gospel in a nutshell there, the, the, uh, the Son of God, the blood of the covenant, and the Spirit of grace. And basically what Paul is saying to them, as they had 
experienced all of that. They had tasted that. They had uh, uh, they had believed in Christ. They had experienced the the, uh, the, the, the blood of Christ and the forgiveness of sins uh, through that. They had experienced the Holy Spirit, and He was warning them that if they uh, if they having come out of the old law and out of the old uh, 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 faith to the new faith, if they become persuaded to again turn back and renounce that new faith that they had had. And 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 uh, cast their lot with the old faith. He was uh, he was warning them that that the the consequences are severe. Uh, it gets awfully close. And and we're not talking about just some backsliding. We're not talking about someone. We're talking about a deliberate looking at it and saying it's not worth it. Just like Israel, who looked at the giants and said, uh, "Let's go back to Egypt. This why in the world are we out here anyhow?" Let's go back to the old. Let's go back to the familiar. And he was warning them, if they take on that kind of an attitude, they look at the, at the, this is the gospel. This is Christ. This is, this is the walking in faith. And it's persecution. And it's hardship. And it's this. And it's that. And it's just not worth it. We're going back to the familiar. And uh, I'm done with this Christ. And I'm done with this spirit. And I'm done with that. And I'm going back to where it's familiar. And he warned them. The possibility exists that if they do that, there's no way to actually mend their way again in the future. They, they can well throw it away for good. Uh, he warns them about those possibilities in this book. Uh, and it, it is a, uh, uh, I, I see it as a, a uh, not a little light misstep. It is a specific, a, uh, a, um, did, Determined, I don't know is determined the word, but, but a very, uh, yeah, very specifically, uh, in a sense, renouncing the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ and going back to the old way, <clears throat> going back to the familiar. And so we're warned about that. Uh, Hebrews, the Hebrew believers were warned about that. And, uh, and it is something to be, uh, even in our context, you know, we don't want to do, uh, be foolish about the faith and just think that we can take it and leave it as we wish. <clears throat> Anyhow, we read this uh, uh, all the way up here in chapter 10. We, we, we read about the new and the living way. Uh, uh, we, we finished up here at the end of the chapter. Now the just shall live by faith, verse 38. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Same idea that we had there with Israel. Uh, they drew back. God didn't have any pleasure in that. Uh, verse 11, then comes Hebrews chapter 11. Now, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good report. And we go into the whole chapter of Hebrews 11. And, uh, and, and, he, and he puts that there as, a, as an example for God's people and what living by faith looks like, what 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 we're called to, and we could ask the question, you know, did, these were all Old Testament uh, examples. Are there any New Testament examples of living by faith? And we know there are. Uh, we don't have them recorded in in the Scripture as such, but there are New Testament examples, and they continue. There's the Martyr's Mirror that's full of it. New Testament examples of believers who live by faith, and there's it goes far beyond that. <clears throat> But that's the that's the uh, the picture that we have here 
uh, we go right into Hebrews 11 and we're given all those examples of what uh, continuing, what living by faith looks like. Uh, faith. Faith took these people. Think about it. Uh, these people that are listed here in Hebrews 11. Faith took them into places that were not familiar, that were not familiar to them. You know, Mo, uh, Noah, it wasn't a familiar thing for him to build an ark on dry ground. Uh, it wasn't a familiar thing for Daniel to be thrown in a lion's den. Uh, it wasn't a familiar thing for, uh, uh, you just look at any of them, uh, for Moses' parents to, to, to throw, put him in a basket and put him out on the water. They didn't do that every day. Uh, none of their neighbors did that. It was not a familiar thing, but it was a faith thing. It was a God thing. It was where God was working. And, uh, yeah, it, it's it's that's that's what faith looks like. It's it takes people out of the familiar, into uh, into the places of where yeah, all there is to do is trust God. <clears throat> and of course, then comes Hebrews twelve, and we are uh, uh, told about uh, uh, looking to Jesus, and that we have not yet resisted on the blood, and that no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. We're we're told about difficulties and. And uh, and the exhortation to uh, continue in faith. Uh, so, leaving the Hebrews behind, the clock is going a little faster than I am. Uh, let's go quickly to Ephesians. And we'll take a look at uh, the Gentiles. Ephesians uh, chapter 2. <clears throat> and notice how different this is going to be. The old and the familiar to the Gentile is extremely different than the old and familiar to the Jew. And you'll see that here. In, uh, in verse uh, chapter 2, verse 1, And he, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Uh, we'll just maybe just stop there. Uh, that gives us the context. This is the the uh, the Gentile, who uh, this is where they came from. Uh, they <clears throat> they uh, they were without God and without hope in the world. Maybe dropping down to verse eight: For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God. These these uh, they were uh, uh, born again. They were saved. They were brought to a new life. Not a works lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that's the Jews, uh, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. They were not a part of the old covenant and uh, Israel and all that. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall partition between us. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make of himself of twain one new man, so making peace. I think I'll stop there for the moment. We we understand the context. You know, the Gentile, uh, uh, they were 
They were the heathen, the Jew. They were the outcasts. They couldn't set foot in Hebrew territory and so forth. Uh, that all changed with the gospel. They were like we saw back there in uh, in Luke. Uh, Jesus uh, came to call all men to repentance. The Gentiles had had uh, repented. Some here had come to Christ, had come to faith. Where now they were all one family. The Jew, the believing Jew, the believing Gentile were to be one family was God's plan. There was there was uh, a lot of challenges in that happening in the New Testament day, uh, but that's uh, that was God's heart. It was uh, it was a challenge for the the Jew particularly to open his heart to the Gentile and to sit beside a Gentile in a worship service. So things were incredibly challenging for the Jew in his. But God uh, God was leading them in a journey of faith. If they were going to follow him. <clears throat> so we have. Uh, okay then uh, going over to. Uh, chapter 4. Verse 17. Uh, we have this word to the Gentile. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord. That henceforth ye walk not as other Gentiles walk. In the vanity of their minds. Uh, Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, who, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. Um, just, uh, yeah, we can, and I think we'll, we'll uh, skim down here a bit. Ye have not so learned Christ. Uh, if so be you have heard of him, have been taught by him that as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is a corrupt according to uh, deceitful lusts. Uh, goes down through, do not be angry. Verse 28, let him that steals, steal no more. 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. 30, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed. Uh, 31, let bitterness depart. 32, be ye kind, tender-hearted. Chapter 5, verse 1, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Verse 3, but fornication, all uncleanness, covetousness, let it not once be named among us as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolishness, talk nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient. But rather giving up thanks for this, know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Okay? Here are the Gentile believers. There was a potential for them to also be influenced in a wrong way. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Uh, dropping down to verse 10, proving what is acceptable unto God. Walk as children of light, proving what is acceptable unto God, unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. I'm just going to stop there. We get the context. A very, very different exhortation than he gave the Jews, isn't it? Their familiarity was in a whole different ballpark. 
the Jew, the Jew and the Hebrew, their familiarity was the law and and uh, and sacrifices and and that whole system. For the Gentile, their familiarity was fornication and adultery and lasciviousness and 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 evil speaking and and uh, lying and all those kind of things that uh, and Paul uh, in writing to them warns them to not go back to that to not uh, uh, to have no fellowship with it but rather to reprove it and so uh, uh, and apparently there was uh, there was again there was the temptation there was the pressure there was the that uh, hey you you can you can uh, let no man deceive you with vain, vain words. Apparently, there was somebody who was trying to tell him that it's okay. You know, you don't have to be so radical about Christ and all those kind of things. <clears throat> so, for them, the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the the familiar to them was altogether different than the familiar of the the Hebrew. The temptation for them to go back to was that uh, that old that life of wickedness. While the for the Hebrew, it was a temptation to go back to the law. So, that brings us up to kind of uh, wrapping it up here. What does that mean for us? And I'm not sure what that all means for us. <laughs> I give a lot of this to provoke our thinking a bit. Uh, you know, okay, put it this way. There are, we also are vulnerable. You know, we are vulnerable. There are things that we could go back to that would be less than God's best for us. There's no doubt about that. There, there's, there's vulnerable points for any one of us. And probably sitting in this room, the vulnerable points are different, uh, just like it was different between the Jew and the Gentile. Uh, but what would, you, what would we go back to if we became uh, discouraged or disillusioned with our journey with God in, in our faith venture with God? What would we go back to? What would be that thing that appeals, uh, looks comfortable, looks familiar to us. <clears throat> in the middle of tests and trying situation is where we become the most vulnerable. The temptation to revert back to a familiar point in our history gets quite strong. It does, for any of us. It gets strong, the, the temptation to revert back. In our 27 years of uh, Relating, and I'm just going to use this term um, generically, relating in the charity uh, type fellowships. We have seen many come out of either worldly church settings, Protestant settings, uh, just, you know, some even out of uh, unbelief, you know, atheistic settings. We have seen many come out, embrace the, uh, the faith of, of uh, as we as we have known it and taught it and, and uh, uh, believed it and practiced it, the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have seen many come out, embrace it for a time, live it for a time, and then eventually turn back to that which was familiar again to them. It has happened many, many times. Uh, and at times even in, un, in situations where you would never have expected it to. Uh, and it, it's and it general it, it happens it generally it, it's there's there's common threads that surround it there's there's uh, difficulties that uh, occur in in people's journey there there's unexpected turbulences they weren't uh, expecting uh, there's 
there's uh, yeah stressful situations and and would to God we could live in such a way as believers that that those things wouldn't have to happen in people's lives and experiences, but they do. Uh, and it's it's often in those kind of situations where, after a while, the older and the familiar again looks very appealing. <clears throat> Reverting back to where they've come from. Of course, you know, I want to leave us with the challenge. You know, are we continuing in this journey of faith? You know, that can go into uh, various issues, areas of our lives. It can be just you personally in your journey with God. Uh, it can be, uh, you know, in your day-to-day life uh you know, it can be in in ministry, you know, what for ministries do you involve yourself in? Uh, does God want to involve you in some sort of a ministry? Uh, you know, ministry is not just going overseas or, or being a preacher in the church or those kind of things. Ministry has many facets. And God wants to move us on in those in our personal journey. He wants to move us on into... into uh, uh, Further kingdom concepts, you know, he, he wants to, uh, as we sit here, as, as you children, as you grow up and as you become followers of Christ, God has may have things he wants to, to lead you into, you know, types of ministries and things. Are we there to follow God? Are we there to continue in faith, uh, even if it takes us out of our comfort zone? You know, uh, I think I, I can safely... Uh, uh, give our sister Mary as an example of one who has followed God in faith. You know, it was it was a year's journey, years of journey, just moving along, trusting God uh, through various trainings and 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 schoolings and all these kind of things. And today she finds herself in in Iraq, uh, serving in very very needy opportunities there. A journey of faith. Uh, each of us, each of us, need to see ourselves on a journey of faith, uh, and continue with God. For some, uh, that journey might feel mundane. You know, you're 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 at home, and you're all oh, that you see is piles of laundry and dirty dishes and diapers. That that journey might feel mundane, but you know, that's a journey of faith too. That's a journey that's important to God too. Uh, for some, it might be. Uh, you know, you're out there in the construction crew and you're building houses for people to live in and or you're you're trying to farm that crop so people have food to eat or milk those cows so people have milk and it, it can feel kind of mundane. But that should be a journey of faith too. It really should. In our hearts, it should be a journey of faith and going on with God. And then there's the more specifics, like I said, where God wants to call us into ministry. God wants to call us to reach out to a neighbor. God wants to... And it might not feel that comfortable at first. And we're tempted to, because uh, it don't feel comfortable, to go back to the, the, the path of familiarity. But to, to, to allow God to, to lead us in that journey of faith. And of course it comes into the bigger picture of, of church life and all that in, in, in allowing God to lead us as a, as a body on the journey of faith and, and uh, leading us where he wants us to go. So, a faith journey or a familiar journey? Which will we choose? May God, uh, may God inspire our hearts to, to faith 
and to follow him. Perhaps if we're able, let's stand together. Father, we come to the close of this message and the thoughts that have been shared. And thank you. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for how it can uh, uh, just prod our thinking and, and prod us along in our journey with you. Today, I pray that we could learn and understand what you would have for us uh, in, this, in these scriptures, Lord, that we've looked at and in the concept that we have examined here this morning. Father, a journey of faith or a journey of familiarity. Lord, grant us all, grant us, Lord, a desire to be on a journey of faith, uh, walking with you, uh, following you to uh, new heights and depths of the Christian experience and opportunities in our life and in, in, the, in, uh, in our journey. Father, be with each one of us here in this room. And uh, we know your purposes are different for different people. You have different callings, different giftings, different opportunities. Father, help us to each wait before you with a heart of expectation. And as you lead, as you walk us along in life's journey to follow and to not shrink back. Lord, help us in that. To not shrink back as Israel did, as others have uh, probably over the years. In, in as was a temptation for the Jew in Galatians and the Hebrews. Also the temptation for the Gentiles to go back to their old life. Father, Just give us a love for you and a dedication to you that uh, far exceeds the the old life and the old familiarities. So, Father, we again just commit this time to you. Ask a blessing on each one present here in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 